and we're live. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the dreaded, long-delayed Groovy podcast. Uh, podcasting from Marlboro, Connecticut, my name is Ken Cousin, and I'm joined, as always, by, uh, why don't you do it? Yeah, uh, I'm Baruch Sadogorski, and I'm broadcasting to you today from Franklin, Tennessee. Wait, Franklin, Tennessee? Yep, Franklin, Tennessee. No, sorry. You you can't just drop that and let that pass. I, I need some explanation there. What happened? Are well, you still, you're still a Jay Frog, though, right? Yes, I am. Yeah, I okay. am. COVID happened. The pandemic happened. Working yeah. from home happened. And it's not that I've been to the office like a lot, even pre-COVID days, but mm. now there is really no reason to hang around in a driving distance to your office. I mean, I don't need to tell you, right? You well, live wherever you want to live, which yeah, happened to be Marble or Connecticut. I, I'm I'm moved to Connecticut way back in the late '80s and married a local girl. I'm stuck, man. I, I'm not going anywhere. But, <laughs> but you don't have an office need, to go to. Yeah, you just need to be near a major airport, or at least you used to. I exactly. assume that'll happen again in the not too distant future. Yeah. Uh, we hope so. We definitely hope so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's definitely the idea. And since we are either working from home or on the road, there is really no reason to have an office nearby. Um, did some research and uh, looks like we found a place that we like. Well, not this week, but hopefully the rest of it. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, here we are. It was well, last week. Still some boxes around. I managed to do the fireplace and the flamingo um, is here as well. So, you know. The moving set last week? Yep. Oh, wow. Very recently. Okay. See, we needed that as an excuse for why we didn't have a podcast, you know. Oh, absolutely. I wasn't available because I was moving. For sure. Blame it on me. That sounds like the right thing to do. So I guess you'll be using Nashville's airport. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, you'll spend yeah. a lot of time there then. And they're renovating it for me right now, so it, oh, all, it all works out. Yeah. Are they a hub for anybody? Um, Southwest, like what they called like a master city or whatever they call, but okay. uh, I mean, all it's right, a short but... hope to it's a short hope to Chicago and everything else. So we're oh, good. okay, it's just a lot to wrap my head around. I just don't picture you as a country music star. You know, I mean, if that's the next thing that happens, is you wind up leaving the podcast. Well, of course, you could leverage the podcast for your country music career. So what do I know, I suppose? Right. I mean, it cannot get much worse. That's what you're meaning. You're right. You're right. How's the uh, now? what's going on news wise at the moment is that there's a deep freeze down in the southeast part of the US. I mean, that Texas is suffering badly with their infrastructure collapsing under the under the power problems, and, and so is Florida, from what I hear. But I keep seeing tweets from people in Texas. How are you doing in Tennessee? Yeah, so it's pretty cold. It's like 10 degrees today, so it's pretty cold. Uh, but uh, from what I heard when I spoke with uh, the electric company guys here on a different topic, uh, they mentioned that Tennessee is drastically overproducing for their own needs. So I don't expect any problems with power today uh, so far everything runs smoothly we have electricity we have internet as you can see we only have we, we have heating i mean no complaints 
it's white outside, which is nice to see through the window. So no complaints, really. We have um, issues like that. Of course, we expect them. It's not like people down in Texas who just don't understand anything about cold or snow. Uh, I mean, we've got a backup generator. We've got a snowplow. We've got all that stuff. And the only thing I, I feel sympathy for them, partly because they're suffering and partly because we're getting their weather in a day or two. I mean, it's on its way. So we actually came close <laughs> to 50 degrees Fahrenheit today. Uh, that won't last, unfortunately. We've got more snow coming. So, all right, maybe we should talk about something groovy related. What do you think? Absolutely, absolutely. The only thing that I want to do before we actually start is mm. make sure that we are tweeting our uh, broadcast. Oh, you think we can get people to join in or do you? Yeah, you know, we're doing StreamYard. It can highlight comments. It can bring them on a the screen. It's pretty nice. So I want us to make sure that people are aware and come and chat with us. Okay, well, we'll see if that works out. So feel free to put in that. While you're doing that, I'll just mention that um, we do have new releases for that we'll talk about with Groovy and Grails and Gradle and many others. As a matter of fact, Micronaut, of course, and I know Spock 2.0 is on its way. Uh, they're up to milestone four now. I don't know what the plan is, how many milestones they plan, or how many release candidates if they decide to go that way. I've been using Spock 2.0 in its milestone version in a few of my projects. Have you had a chance to do any of that, by the way? Um, no, not really. So I, I just followed the news, but I didn't didn't play with it. No. For me, the big the big difference is that now it's based on JUnit five rather than four. So no more run with, it's now, at least I don't think so. I, it's used as a, um, with along with all the extra capabilities that JUnit 5 brings to the table, they're able to leverage all of that, which I really like. So I've been using it in some of my projects. And in, in fact, I've been using Groovy 4, or Groovy, or rather Spock 2 and Spock 1 kind of, or I'm running the old tests with the new tests all in the same, structure, which meant I had to include both the JUnit 5 and 4 dependencies. So it, it, I'm sure all that will be ironed out before they actually release, but so far so good. That actually reminds me of something I wanted to mention. Let's see, it's way down in the show notes. We should mention, if you want to see the show notes in general, there is a GitHub organization. So under github.com, you go to Groovy Dash Podcast, and then the actual repo is called Groovy podcast without the dash, all inside that. So under github.com slash groovy dash podcast slash groovy podcast, you'll find the latest show notes. We are currently episode 81, which we have arbitrarily labeled season four, episode seven. I wonder if this should have been the first episode of season five. What do you think? Yeah, it looks like so by the break that we did. Yeah, so it feels, uh, like, it feels like a new season. Yep. Okay, I'll update the notes to make that season five, episode one. You could put that in there when we upload and make it sound like this is a big deal. It is a big deal. For five hopefully episodes, it can, is. And hopefully we can get it on a more regular basis now. I mean, I feel that we were somewhat shamed into this, of course, uh, based on comments from, let's see, I heard something from Cedric, of course, Champo, and then he's not the one who triggered it all. It was. Uh, Let's see who who bugged me about it. Yeah, yeah, there was like tweet or was it yeah, Cedric definitely said something. 
Yeah, yeah, what the hell are we thinking? Yep. Yeah, I mean, and he's right, you know, that, I mean, it's the pace of change is not dramatic right now in those communities, but still, this has been a long time. Yeah, it's uh, been no, a long time, and we have we have topics to talk about, not just the list of the release notes, but, but actually a couple of interesting things occurred in our community that definitely worth worth. Yeah, the one thing... About. The one thing I was going to mention, though, before we dive into all that, is uh, good old Great Conf. You know that we we've, we've both been to the the European version. Of course, everything is still basically shut down in terms of live conferences these days. They decided not to do a live conference, but for the past few months, they've been running what they call a Great Conf Friday Bar. And in that, let's see if I go to that site. Basically, it's a tech talk and social event. They, there's like a 30-minute talk. The last one was a few weeks ago. It was on uh, – they actually had somebody talking about Spock 2, unfortunately, and I wasn't able to stay very long because I had to I had to teach a training class that started – see, it's all in the European time zones, okay? So it was very awkward time for me. It was right in the middle of my day, and when I, when I went to join it, I was only able to stay for like half an hour, and then I had to leave to – teach a class that involves a language that I won't mention at the moment. Uh, might it start with the K? It, it might, yes, in fact. And I almost said something about that, but that seems... What's that? It starts with a K and ends with Otlin, and it took us eight minutes to mention Kotlin for the first time in this episode. I didn't say it. I really didn't. I was trying to avoid it, you know, but oh, yeah, yeah. Nice try. I, nice try. I just couldn't bring myself to say in the chat room at that last Friday bar that, yeah, I have to go leave and teach a Kotlin class now. You know, that just, I couldn't bring myself to do it. That was you didn't say a JVM language. Yeah. Now, on the other hand, yeah. Now, by the way, the reason I'm bringing up that Friday bar, let me finally finish what I was going to say about that. <laughs> the next one is this Friday. I mean, it's this week, it's January 22nd. January 22nd? Oh, the page is old. The page they have there is old. There's a uh, there's one this Friday, however, and I think it's um, Soren tweets about it on a regular basis. Shoot. So the link I have in the show notes is the one on the is the one on the uh, the one for the last one, apparently. So I'm trying to see if I can find it. Well, while you're talking about something, I'll See if I can find that, but I know it's in the Apache Groovy feed as well, right? Don't don't they tweet? Oh, there it is. Um, actually, the one I—that's the one I linked to, and it was from the last one. But they'll be having a new one this Friday, so all you have to do is check out the—I think it's uh, SB Glossius is his um, Twitter feed, right? Yep. Yep. Yes, and you'd think I'd have this prepared. A little yeah, better. No, it wouldn't be our podcast if we had this prepare. I mean, we yeah. need to maintain a level of his last one is the same one. But at any rate, he will tweet about it in the next couple of days again. And I'm sure if you just search for GR8 Conf Friday Bar, you'll find it, and and that way you can get a, a an e an invite and you can join it if you like. So at any rate, that's that's something I wanted to mention as long as we had a had a moment. Yep. So definitely worth worth attending. Do you know if they are already doing it in this clubhouse thing or no, not clubhouse. I can't do clubhouse. I I have an Android phone. I don't have an iPhone. Same here. Same here. Oh well, you know, I mean, 
it's interesting to watch the rise of things like that right now, especially an exclusive one, because that generates all that FOMO, you know, the fear. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, you hear all these all... people going, most of those are really boring. And I mean, who listens to things like podcasts anymore, right? I mean. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, we have three listeners by now. I think I'm one of them, so two, but that's okay. Well, they say, you know, I mean, Twitter took did to text. Uh, the, actually, the analogy I heard was that Twitter kind of destroyed blogs because instead of having to create a whole blog post, you could just tweet a stream of consciousness and it, it basically used it up. It certainly made it so I blog far less frequently. I, I don't tweet a lot anyway, but when I do, I, it's oh, that well, way. You'll have a mailing list. Come on. Right. So, But then the, the idea is that Clubhouse in principle is supposed to do the same thing to podcasts. Because remember, when we got involved in this podcast, there weren't that many podcasts around. And now, geez, I mean, is it everybody, you know, certainly every white male age 35 to 50 or something has a podcast or whatever? I, you know, I'm not sure what the what the rule is, but it's a huge number. And, and you know, the thing about Clubhouse, again, is that you don't have to. It, it's not high production values. Now, of course, if you want low production values, you you've come to the right place. So we're we're all we set. Right, yeah. right here in Groovy Podcast, without even need to use Clubhouse. Right. So if we eventually yeah. have to open up something there, we we will, and and we'll see what happens. Okay. Do you where do you want to start? Do you want to start with Groovy releases? Do you want to start with the tweets or the blog posts? Or what do you feel like? Uh, we can go by the by the order of the show notes. I mean, this is what we always done. Okay. Well, jeez, uh, you remember back that far? I'm not sure. I, you know, at any rate, it's so just there is just there. Groovy is firmly established as Groovy three at this point, and they're up to three now, and that's been out since uh, at least December. But I mean, three has been out far longer than that. I've seen several presentations on new features in Groovy. I mean, heck, I wrote an article about it a couple of mm -hmm. years ago. But there are way newer things available than that, and the um, the release notes actually now. Uh, actually, one thing I do want to mention, and I have a link to it in the in the show notes, is that Paul King, the inimitable Paul King, did a presentation at ApacheCon, and all the all the uh, groovy track presentations from ApacheCon are in a YouTube playlist that we have linked in our show notes, but he's got the slides up specifically for the Groovy Roadmap, as he calls it. So the and Groovy Roadmap awesome. talks about all the features in Groovy 3 and discusses what's coming in Groovy 4 as well, which is just amazing to see that we're already talking about Groovy 4 as well and how it's being supported by the Open Collective and, and all the, he's got, got all the download numbers and everything. Supposedly in 2019, they were talking about 197 million downloads. And in uh, 2020, half of the year, they'd had about 147 million. So it was going up and up. Of course, this brings up other false measures of success. Like you saw the Tyobi index came out again. Yep, yep. And so, it's, as, it's as strange as always i gotta say i just don't understand that index i mean i i, I look at it because hey you know it's data it's not necessarily useful data but it's data I'm trying to see where that was i had a page open to that thing i think i got so sick of it i, I killed it so uh, i mean the good thing about it of course 
is that Groovy is steadily in the early teens. I mean, I think it was people were saying, hey, how cool is this? Groovy's at like a, a num number 12, conveniently forgetting that on the, the previous one. So for February 2021, that's what I have. February 2021, it's at Groovy's at number 12. Of course, the last index was what, about um, three months ago or something like that. Yeah. It was at 11. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, but that's not really the weird part. The weird part is that this time there was a change at the top. I mean, Java fell to second place behind C. And I mean, has C even had a release in years? <laughs> I mean, who are all these C coders? I don't get I, it. I think they do this back and forth between Java and C for a very long time, the first and second. And uh, but there is still like a massive market for applications which can only be run written in C or maybe in the Rust, but it's kind of still early days for us. But com compared to Java, compared to Python these days, compared well, to JavaScript, I mean, I mean, C is all the way at the top. I mean, I get it that it's the language for the Unix operating system, and that's what was right. that was its original right. claim to fame and everything. But right. have you met anybody whose primary day job is writing C code? I don't mean C++. I just mean regular, straight C code. I guess there are a lot of developers who write C, uh, but yeah, it's kind of weird that it claims that it claims the first place. That, yeah, I that haven't I, met one in yeah. years. Heck, assembly language is number ten. It's like, well, okay. Um, then behind Groovy is Go and Ruby and Swift and you know, okay, and then MATLAB of all things, and then Delphi, Object Pascal. It's like, come on, really. <laughs> Classic Visual Basic Perl Objective. <laughs> oh, I heard a Perl joke. Did I give you this one yet? No. Um, a million monkeys typing on a million typewriters will eventually type a Java program. Right. And the rest will be Perl programs. Right, right, but right. One-liners, yeah, Perl one-liners, I would say. Yeah. I mean, if you're looking for up-and-coming languages, I mean, you know, obviously... Uh, Kotlin and, and Scala and Clojure, all the normal JVM alternative languages are all healthy these days. Uh, Rust, of course, is is being is rising in adoption. And I've heard very good things about Julia, of all things, especially in mm -hmm. the numerical processing areas, which mm -hmm. are hot for AI and machine learning. Of course, that's still Python, but then they, you know, maybe that's where the C coders are, because the Python stuff compiles down to C in order to get any speed, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, Python's not a program, not a compiled language, but the executables they make, I think, work with C. I wonder if that has something to do with it. Yeah, I could be, maybe, I'm probably maybe. completely wrong. Uh, of course, any index that has Fortran at number 23, I'm like, okay, let, let's move on. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, so, a, it's a weird one, but, but I think they have a lot of, complaints about each and every one of them. So, you know. Yeah. Well, it's still nice to see Groovy as, you yeah. know, in the in the forefront. At least people are aware of it. It's still coming around. I have to say that I'm actually starting to get preliminary, you know, feelers to ask about Groovy training again. And it's been a while since I've heard a lot from that. Uh, I still haven't heard much. Now, again, I'm a I'm a single data point, so I'm not a good measure of these things. But it seems that just going on and keeping on the way Groovy keeps on indefinitely 
will eventually start attracting more attention again. Uh, I just, as someone who is actively involved with Kotlin, I still find it amusing to watch them discover things that Groovy added five, 10 years ago, you know, uh, delegates and things like that. I'm like, oh, come on, you know, <laughs> but anyway, there's that. Uh, how about Grails on the other hand? Oh, uh, by the way, did you want to see anything, say anything about Groovy 4 or not? Well, uh, it, it, uh, it's, uh, I mean, it's nice to see how it moves forward, right? I, uh, somewhere about, you remember the transition to Apache and all this stuff, there was a very long stagnant period that it was stuck on 2.5 forever. And we were like, will three even be out? And then like this, three is out and now four is in alpha. And this is, this is, this well, is great. I mean, Groovy 3, the biggest contribution there, there were a lot of small things like the, the Elvis assignment and the not in and various other operators. There were, there was the big thing for me was the support for all of the Java syntax features, the ability to use Lambda syntax from Java inside Groovy or method reference syntax from Java inside Groovy was very helpful. And it, again, it makes the transition for uh, regular Java developers to Groovy that much easier. You know, the fact that mm -hmm. they can, that they could take advantage of that is really nice. And of course, they again they had many other things. The parrot parser, which was part of that transition, was very very useful code and and being able to do default methods and interfaces and try with resources. All these things that were familiar to Java people are now available in Groovy. Now, one of the issues that still comes up in Java is that the Java platform module system, the JPMS support, and Groovy still got a couple of split packages that lead to warnings. And from what I understand, one of the things that's coming in, I, it could very well be in the next long-term support release of Java 17, coming out in September, is that suddenly those warnings are going to become errors that they actually are finally gonna say, yeah, you can't do that anymore. And Groovy did a lot of res resolution of that in three. I know that in four, they're gonna get rid of all those problems so that you won't yeah, get Yeah, and that was, that was a major kind of barrier for further adoption of Groovy. People tried it and they saw like a bunch of errors and warnings in the logs and they're like, okay, this is crap. I cannot work with it. Then go to some other weird languages, uh, you know, the the other ones, uh, yes, so that's... cleaning up those those warning is is definitely critical. Yep. Yeah, and they're gonna they're gonna upgrade. They're gonna switch the coordinates so it'll no longer have the word code house in it. They'll use org.apache.groovy and and they'll upgrade all the internal stuff. But when I'm looking through this at the new features that they have in mind, I think the one oh it does it will support Java records which are part of Java now, but a part that is rarely used because, well, a couple of reasons. One is that you have to go beyond the current long-term support release of Java to use them. I mean, Java 11 doesn't have records. Records don't show up until uh, 14, I think. And the current version is 15. By the time we do another podcast, it'll be 16, you know. Uh, but the other big problem with records is that the JSON parsers, the major ones like JSON and Moshi and a few others don't work with records correctly. Now, Groovy, of course, again, something it has over some of these other languages, has a built-in JSON parser and a slurper that works very well with these things, but still being able to support Java records will be a nice 
feather in its cap, and they're going to have a record type and and more. Uh, so there's a lot of other things that are being added, but of course, it's long in the future on all of that. So again, I, I recommend that if you get a chance to take a look at Paul's slides for the Groovy 3 highlights and the 4 roadmap, it's it's always interesting. And hey, if Paul says it, that's that's what's going on. You know, he, he's the guy making most of those. Decisions. Oh, I missed I missed a feature, of course. The big thing that Daniel's son is always working on is uh, was it Jink support G I N Q? Right, are you familiar with that at all? No, I don't think so. Jink, you know. Oh yeah, um, he uh, Daniel does a lot of tweets about this and talks about Jink as um, let's see if I've got this link here. I, I suppose I'll have to add it, but it basically is a more or less. It feels like a DSL for SQL pretty much, so that you can write GQ, and that starts off this jink block, if you will, and you've got terms like from and join and where and limit and select, and when you write this code in uh, in SQL, oh, hey, we got a visitor. You're going to greet that person? You know? So at any rate, when you write this code in Groovy in a DSL form, it basically is executing uh, SQL appropriately, and you can process data sources and and do filtering and, and all kinds of nice features in it. So I, I noticed Daniel's been working hard on that, and I'm sure that'll be part of Groovy 4. The question is, will the, the Groovy Jink module, which, is, which it's in now, will that be built into part of Groovy 3 at some point? Oh, apparently Jink stands for Groovy Integrated Query. I didn't know that. So, and it will probably go into four, if anything. Well, definitely in four, but it may be an mm -hmm. option that you can include prior to that. It says you can query, in addition to SQL, you can query XML and JSON, and my goodness, you can query freaking YAML. You believe it? Uh, yeah. You know, uh, Groovy is a modern DevOps language. Of course it should be able And they'll to be able to YAML. do that before Java can even... That's very true. Yeah, right. All that yeah. stuff. Okay. So, at any rate, I wanted to bring that up because uh, I mean, Daniel works really hard on that, and we we definitely should should mention that as well. Okay. So we've got the links to the upcoming releases, and of course, Keegan Witt. We should also mention produces those Windows installers for those people still sentenced to using Windows. Well, Windows today is not what Windows used to be. Yeah, well, that's true. I do have one uh, Surface tablet that uses Windows. Uh, you know how you always name your computer on the network, right? I mean, I hope right. you come up with clever names, right? Oh, always, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know what that computer is named on my network? Uh how -huh, it's called. It's called Client Made Me Use Windows. <laughs> that's the actual name of the computer. I couldn't think of anything better. So, at any rate, I, I've uh, worked with that, you know, and, um, but there's Windows installers that Keegan Witt puts together, and there's links to that. Although I think, I think I linked just directly to the tweet that he put about it, so you can go find them if you want. Okay, moving on to the the Grails community, and then we'll get back to Gradle in a minute. Grails is currently at 4.0.7, so Grails 4 has been around for a little while. It's moving. It's pretty stable at this point, is the sense I get that you're not talking about radical changes. Moving from Grails 3 to Grails 4 is very easy. Moving from Grails 2 to 3 was a big deal because the project structure changed and they adopted Gradle as the build tool. And you know it, it involves some 
serious improvements, but it did involve some some changes. But moving from three to four has been, from what I understand, pretty much trivial. And of course, now they have a tag page for Groovy Five release. I don't, uh, I haven't noticed any significant changes planned even. But if you're interested in what's going on in that community. I think we got the link to the town hall. Yes. So OCI periodically holds what they call a 2GM town hall meeting. 2GM presumably being Groovy, Grails, and Micronaut. And Micronaut, of course. Yep. So uh, in the town hall, we've got a link to the first one from 2021. And I've got the slides here. And when they discuss the state of Grails, they've got a <laughs> Grails night now. K-N-I-G-H-T, which they're supposedly holding a competition to try to name that night. And I haven't come up with anything clever yet. I'm sure you'll you'll be submitting something there, right? <laughs> uh, at any rate, the only thing to mention there, Grails 2 is end of life June 30th of this year in terms of support. And Grails 3, in principle, they say will be end of life in September, believe it or not. So they're going to want to go with 4 and 5. Which is, again, like the, what we, we see the same, right? Two to three was painful, but from there it just runs. Right. And, and of course, they're upgrading all the build tools. So, I mean, all these support libraries, that, that'll use um, Grails 5 will definitely use Groovy 3. I'm not sure Grails 4 does yet. I think it's still on 2. Dot, either 4 or 5. I forget which how they played it. But Grails 5 will definitely be on Groovy 3 and Gradle 6, of course which we'll get to in a moment. They're also upgrading to Spring and Spring Boot. Spring Boot is 2.4, so that's Spring 5.3. That'll use Spock 2 when it's available, and so on. And of course, oh geez, now let's, let's not, a, <laughs> there was a big problem in the Grails community having to do with something associated with JFrog, but I don't think we're quite ready for that discussion yet. No, no, we are, we are. Let's well, let's we, have this discussion. Should now. we talk about Gradle first and then come back to that or not? It's it's all related. Let's talk about Gradle then then come back to that and we'll talk about we'll talk about Bintray and J Center. Yep. Okay, okay. So the thing that happens, Gradle, of course, is on this pretty frequent release schedule, and they're up to 6.8.2 at this point. But I have not had a radical reevaluation of Gradle uh, changes recently. Actually, that's really not true. Let's put it this way. Gradle's been very good about, pretty good about backward compatibility. The newest feature that they added, I think in 6.7, was the Java toolchain support. I really like the toolchain support. You can actually say in your Gradle build file which Java version you want, and it searches your machine in all the normal places to see if it could find it. And if it can't, it even offers to download one. And you can now in 6.8, you can even say which vendor you want it to download. I mean, adopt OpenJDK or one of the others, you know, very easily. I, I'm waiting to see how often this is used. Now, the only place I use it seriously is I do a, a, a class on what's new in Java. So that one has to run on 15 on Java 15, etc. And of course, my regular day-to-day -day Java is 11, the current long-term support release. And I always have have to switch my 
Java version in my console in order to run a Gradle build that does that. Well, now I don't have to. I can just say, hey, in this Java toolchain, use, use Java 15. And I already have a Java 15 from, of course, from SDK Man, the awesome SDK Man. And yes, it, it just uses it automatically. So I, yeah, I really like that. Think about another use case, which I think kind of more, more uh, what they catered for, and that will be SCI, right? So think about the build that runs, you know, on, on a container and there is nothing in there. They, you don't have to use base Java container anymore. Just take the plain, the, the simplest, the smallest container and then say, or you might run the one with Java on it. And then you should just say, if you find a Java, fine. If not, just download it. And, yes. and that goes back to the same idea that in order to build successfully a Gradle project, all you need to do is clone a Git repository. You have no dependency for Gradle itself since we have the wrapper, which basically uh, since they won, now we don't have dependencies on Java as well. Either you save some time downloading it if you already have it on your machine, but if not, Gradle will do the right thing. Well, that's not quite true. You still have to install Java before you run Gradle. But you don't have to install the Java that Gradle needs. Gradle yeah. will go and download a different Java if your exactly. project requires it. So, yeah. Yeah. yes, I mean, I agree with you. And I, the CI server application, of course, is, yeah, I, I don't know why I didn't think of that. That's excellent. Um, another thing, though, I do have to mention about Gradle is I have actually had to undergo a bit of a conversion myself on Gradle. I don't write ad hoc tasks very often. I know better than that. But I've always been taught about the life cycle, the difference between the configuration time and the execution time, which was always so critical in a Gradle build. Well, now there has been an adjustment that when you work with tasks, you use the dot, you use tasks, plural, dot named or dot register, dot register to create a task, dot named to look one up. And both of those are lazy rather than eager. So when you define your own task in an ad hoc sense, it's automatically eager. It has to instantiate the associated class and configure it. But with, pardon me, with dot named and dot register, they're lazy again. And therefore, if you don't need that task, they won't, it, it, it will save you instantiation and configuration. And this story brings us right into the conversation between Bruce Eccles and, oh, uh, yes. <laughs> and <Sandra laughs> about the problem with Gradle. Okay, so, so let's let's bring that up. So right. there's a link in the show notes. Yeah, Go if ahead. you missed it somehow, and I bet you didn't because it was a big deal, Bruce Eccles, the one and only, the, the, the dear friend of all the community and all of us, the author of Thinking in Java and then Thinking in Scala, uh, the, one of the organizers of the Java Posse Roundup that became the Winter Tech Forum, the, the Bruce Eccles, yeah. uh, wrote a blog post about the problem with Gradle. Right. And correct me if I'm wrong, the main point of that was, gee, it's complicated. And I don't want to get into the details of dependency management and software building. Instead, I just want the right code and I want my build tool to just work. Well, there were a couple things going on. First of all, his, okay, first of all, from my point of view, Bruce Eckel was a giant name because when I was in engineering and converting to, to software development, 
my first Java book where anything made any sense at all was the original thinking in Java. I mean, that first edition, you know, went through four editions and badly needs five or six, but that first edition of thinking in Java was the book that made the difference for me. So of course, I've always been aware of Bruce Eccle, even though he seemed to leave the field and I never heard anything from him again. So when he's writing this post, that got my attention. Secondly, it's a long post, but there's a couple of things that jump out immediately. One is that he's comparing basically to make files. I mean, he's not comparing to Maven. He's not comparing to Basel. He's not comparing to other major enterprise quality build tools. He's comparing to Make, you know, and, and he's used to writing Python code with Make files. And I'm like, really? This is your comparison? But not just that, the running theme, and of course he's a writer, so he's going to come up with some theme, you know, even if it's not necessarily completely applicable, if, if it just sounds good. And the statement that he would use over and over again is in order to do anything, you have to know everything. That's the phrase. Now, of course, anything absolute like that is going to be wrong. I mean, any statement, just like the one I just made, that's going to have to be wrong, right? I mean, if it's an absolute statement, you know, that's an oversimplification. But I get it. I mean, I have, I used to say in the early days of Gradle, I never saw a project with so much documentation that didn't help, you know, where I just, you couldn't wrap your head around what was going on because you had to know so many pieces. Of course, if you compare it to other APIs like Android, where you have to know everything to know anything, you know, it's really not that bad. But that was a, I understand the frustration, the frustration that there's a serious learning curve and there's a lot of traps for the unwary in Gradle. Although the thing is, is that the mistakes he was making, the performance things he was talking about really didn't seem like they were that big a deal. But OK, they were there. And so, I mean, I could spend an hour with him and I think he'd be fine. <laughs> here, here's the here's the difference from Android. When you uh, you write about Android, you need to know everything about in a order lot, to, to, to do anything. But this is your job, right? Mm -hmm. You are an Android right, developer. Right. You dig into it, and then you do it. Now, except of the build engineers or infrastructure engineers or platform engineers, call them whatever you like, most of the people are not Gradle or, or build in general is not their job. What they want to do is get started real simple and have their project built. And if they're working with other people, collaborate around this project, make sure that the structure of the project and the structure of the build is easy and understandable, and then be able to contribute to that. And of, of course, that's exactly right. Of course, that's that's exactly what, I mean, we're not talking about people who are specializing in Gradle. We're talking about people who are writing whatever they're writing. And, oh, I need a, a uh, a way to do this. Oh, but here's the thing. This ties into another problem that I always had. And that was, and, and not not my, for my own learning, but for teaching it to other people, because I still do teach the intro uh, Gradle class for Gradle Inc. every other month. And the question always comes up, do I have to learn Groovy in order to do Gradle? Or if they're doing the Kotlin DSL, do I have to learn Kotlin in order to do Gradle? But of course, there's overwhelming numbers of Groovy build files out there using the Groovy DSL. And the answer was always no, but yes. 
I mean, no, technically, if you're able to stick with the DSL and do everything that Gradle does right out of the box and use the really well-documented plugins that show examples that do exactly what you want, I mean, if you're the sort of person who copy and paste code from Stack Overflow, maybe you'll be fine. But if you, I mean, Gradle's, one of Gradle's biggest features is its customization, its ability to adapt to changing circumstances. And of course, that sooner or later is going to involve some groovy understanding. And it was little groovy things that were throwing off Bruce Eckel, like the fact that strings could be single quoted or double quoted, and it would work either way unless you put in a, an interpolation and then it was a problem. And you could have parentheses or not have parentheses. I mean, all sorts of things that are groovy features that you get used to really fast were causing him problems because there were too many choices. And I get that. That happens to Gradle beginners all the time. So but I the, always say, the, yeah, the you can avoid is, it. The point is most of the people shouldn't be more than Gradle beginners, right? And, and this is something I've been speaking with Hans endlessly and with, ah. somebody, and with everybody in, in Gradle do a fucking simple mode seriously do a simple mode we understand how the customization the dsl the ability to fall into groovy to write task uh, you know to to customize everything how it is important for power users but your entire community your entire market your entire target audience are by definition are not advanced users and probably won't ever be because they don't want to be advanced users of the build. It's dear to Hans Hart, it's dear to Cedric Hart, it's dear to your and my heart. This is pretty much it. But Bruce well, Eckel. How much do you blame Gradle for that? And how much do you blame the fact that Groovy's just that flexible and that there's a learning curve? You do have to learn some Groovy. Now, the Kotlin one, the DSL, there's a lot fewer choices. And but, some people like that, but there's also a lot of other limitations that come with switching to that language, you know. But Gradle itself can limit what can and cannot be used in on uh, inside their DSL. Well, you I've can been fail people at Gradle, of course. And one of the things they're doing is that they are emphasizing the, the syntax that works under both DSLs. They're emphasizing the concepts that work under both DSLs. This idea of named versus register and all of those other concepts, if you stick with that sort of code, it works either way. And that's useful. But, you know, there's, there's always the idea that on any technology you use, you should know one layer below the technology. Like if you're using Hibernate, you should know something about SQL. You can't just do object relational mapping and pretend you don't know anything about database. But, you know? Yes, but again, this is on a different. This is on a, on a different level. This is for a different domain. When you when you work with Hibernate, you are expected to know about object relational mapping. When I have a project as a developer that I want to add a dependency or do something similar and, uh, and, and simple, I don't expect myself spending three days in the documentation trying to figure out how you do it. And here is, right. here is exactly where Maven 
of hits the sweet spot something that yes. we were completely blind for 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 many many years when we said well maven is, is is horrible it's limiting you so much all you can do is produce one jar file and you know the project structure is still the same and everything but this limitation actually is a blessing for most of the developers out there that want to know that that, that when they see a pom file they know everything they need to know they know the structure of the project. They know where to add their dependencies. They know where the artifacts come from. Surprisingly, those limitations are a huge benefit. And I think that Gradle can have the best of two worlds. With this simple mode, you can switch between we are working for developers who don't want to understand build. All we see is like a very simple structure that you can add modules or add dependencies and do other couple of basic stuff, maybe connect plugins from a trusted source. And then you can unleash the endless flexibility of Gradle and Groovy and the DSL and everything by a flip of a switch for the power users, administrators, build engineers, and who's not. Well, to give you an example, I mean, I'm still on the the somewhat functional no fluff just stuff conference tour even though there are no conferences you know <laughs> and back when we used to have our conferences we'd have this what i used to call the go up and pretend to be an expert panel it was called an expert panel but you know and yeah. <laughs> sometimes the issue of gradle versus maven would come up and we would talk about it and we did have one person on the tour who often said that they went back to maven now after we accused them of stockholm syndrome of course you know the reason was exactly as you said the advantage was is that there were so fewer choices it's the what is it paradox of choice you know when there are too many choices to do people don't want to do anything the yeah. problem of course is that maven is highly opinionated and if you don't do things the way it wants to do them sooner or later you're going to run into problems the person who would be the person to talk to about all this of course would be andres albireg he's the probably he's an expert in both. Now, of course, we do have to acknowledge that as soon as this blog post came out, I figured a timer started and it was just a question before somebody from Gradle responded to all this. And sure enough, shortly after that, Cedric Champeau wrote his blog post entitled, The Problem with Gradle, Really? Question mark, which is like, okay, do we really want to be somewhat sarcastic and you know that's not the way you want to treat your your users you know what I mean? but if I, I didn't go through the whole post but a lot of it simply comes down to look this is a hard problem i'm sorry yes it's you you you're expecting something to be trivially easy and it will be trivially easy if you don't care about performance you don't care about customization and you don't care about getting dependencies correctly and you don't want to have to build a, a an actual model for your software if you will but if you want to shave off milliseconds in performance and and demonstrate incredible capabilities then these issues have to be addressed. Now, I'm not sure how that addressed them. I'm not sure whether Bruce Eckel was even aware of that post. I did not, I chose not to follow up. He posted the discussion on Reddit of all places, which is like, really? Okay. And not just on Reddit, in Reddit in the Kotlin forum, not in the Gradle forum, but in the Kotlin forum. And I think the reason he did is Eckel was working with uh, Svetlana Isakova one of the founders of JetBrains, you know, one of the major players there, they're working on a book on Kotlin. 
So, of course, he was dealing with his build files because of Kotlin. And, you know, that's probably why he posted it there. But, yeah, you know, the discussion yeah, went yeah. on and then it Reddit discussions to generate. And I kind of abandoned Yeah, which, which kind of, uh, again, highlights the point, right? Yeah. He was writing a book about Kotlin. Mm -hmm. he, he should have zero friction with building his... Uh, pretty basic examples for the book, right? What do you expect? You don't expect a complicated project for, for examples of the book. And and he got frustrated with Gradle to a level that he wrote this blog post, right? That's true. And and that is that is meaningful. I mean that's that's what exactly what the Gradle people should care about is that somebody who could have been one of their great advocates who could have represented them as a as an intelligent user not in the community could have come out and said wow this thing did everything i needed to do right away and instead was had to spend so much time thinking about gradle that he felt obligated to write a post like that and that is a problem and i don't know that the response i don't know what response would fix that i'm not sure if gradle can fix that we're just gonna have to simple keep an mode, eye on that simple mode will fix it for okay, everybody well, Simple mode. So you, you'll talk to Hans again, I suppose. That will be our okay. conversation number 20 on the subject. We should move on. Now we've got... Which bring us... Wait a second. We have, yeah. a, seg we have a segue after segue right here. It's it's just amazing. It's like we planned the whole thing. Uh, Which bring us to our next topic. And this is obviously... I've been... I'm, I'm criticizing Gradle as, as, a big, as a very big fan and a very big friend. And I hope... Um, a, true member of the community that really uh, hurts for for what should have been a dominating build tool in the JVM uh, industry. Um, unfortunately, it's it's not. We can see um, uh, uh, we can see uh, surveys of the industry, for example, done by JetBrains, and you see how Maven is still dominant by a large margin, seventy percent of the projects. And, uh, uh, and and this kind of stuff. And uh, th this obviously hurts for me personally and for Jeff Rogue as being very big friends for, uh, for, for Gradle. And that brings us to the next topic and that's J-Center. And uh, the, the mutual, the mutual uh, um, friendship between Jeff Rogue and Gradle goes way back, uh, yeah. back to 2012 when we actually started Bintray uh, and J-Center and Gradle were one of the first who kind of um, believed in us and say, hey, this should be the better Maven Central. And we are incorporating JCentral as the top level uh, concept in our DSL on par with Maven Central. So you can uh, uh, you can use that instead. And uh, our bet when we came up with JCentral was on Gradle that will become soon, any day now, the dominant by by large uh, dominant the build tool in the JVM and this is where our friendship will will take to new heights, and um, unfortunately that and I I really mean unfortunately like I I, I really suffer that that's what's going on uh, that didn't happen. Well, so um, explain the, the the actual issue here now. It was this yeah, yeah. It was so, announced so in a tweet, right? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So the actual the actual uh, issue here is that um, uh, on uh, May first, uh, um, JFrog is shutting down bunch of uh, um, 
I would say services. Bintray mm. is one of them. JCenter is the other, and that will be the topic of our conversation in a sec. But also right. GoCenter and and uh, Helm Center. Right. So um, it it will affect to an extent uh, Gradle users and uh, Groovy uh, community and Grails community, and we're going to talk about that in a sec. But first, let me kind of go back and explain what what happened, why and why this is happening. This is not because we are evil or trying to do harm. Um, I, I believe that that's for, for, for the opposite reason. And to understand what, how can it even be, we need to go back, as I mentioned, to 2012. Uh, back then, we um, released a service which was complementary to JFrogerty Factory back then and targeted a distribution scenario. So Artifactory, you use it for CI, uh, for CI time, right? When you have artifacts that you promote through your uh, pipeline, and then in the end of the day, you need to put them in production. It does. It, it is done in different ways. Sometimes you uh, push them to your own servers or to the cloud, but sometimes there are distribution scenarios which people need to download the software. Like, you know, you download your uh, JVM or Groovy or, or anything like that. And this is what, and back then, obviously, the cloud was less prominent, so there was much more demand for, for this kind of stuff. And uh, one of the features, the, the very nice features of Bintray was the ability to include uh, your packages into other people's repositories. Uh, and what it means is that if, for example, a community like Gradle want or or grails want to maintain their own um, ecosystem or or central repository for plugins for example they can create an official canonical repository on bintray and then us as contributors will have our own space on bintray on which we will play around and make sure that everything's good and then we will ask for an inclusion into canonical repository, they on their side will check that everything looks good and eventually grant us the um, uh, being in the official canonical repository where the users will download from there, usually in automatic manner, hidden by CLI or, or something like that. That was the idea. And one of the uh, use cases for uh, for, for this system was actually JSON. What we said in JFrog is, hey, there are two ways to do central repositories. There is NPM registry, which is a bazaar, and everybody can deploy whatever they like there. And if you will search for hello world in NPM registry, your mind will explode. You'll find hundreds of packages, hello world, just because why not? The other extreme of that is obviously Maven Central, right. which is very hard to get to, but you can expect a certain level of quality and canonicality out of it. And we said, hey, there is a middle way. We can do Bintray, which will be open for everybody to play around, and then people will ask to be included in JCenter when they're ready. We will verify their... their um, uh, uh, integrity, and then we'll add them in. So JCenter will be this better Maven Center. And as I mentioned, uh, Gradle, uh, Gradle did a leap of faith, adopting JCenter very, very early, for uh, which we are obviously forever grateful. Um, and, and 
but there was a problem competing with Maven Central. And the problem competing with Maven Central was obviously that Maven Central is built into or baked into uh, Maven uh, rather deeply. Uh, if we speak about the level of usage of build tools that we just mentioned, for the, the people who are not experts in build tools, for them, replacing a repository in Maven was a not a trivial task, right? You and me, we can say, well, it's just a couple of lines in settings XML, and it can be the settings XML can be in different places, and we can name the places in which it can be, and then there is a Maven wrapper. It's not official, but you can dig it up. And I mean, it's not a rocket science, but again, whoever is doing the build don't really don't really care. They run Maven, MVN clean install, as Andres Armas will probably um, appreciate. And next thing you know, it's um, it works. And it works through Maven Central. And okay, so uh, this is where- If it and it was so popular, why turn it off? Right. So this is where our uh, leap of faith from our side in Gradle taking over Maven very, very soon will actually uh, help in, uh, you know, converting Maven as being, uh, sorry, JSender as being the canonical repository of Java. As we know, that didn't help. Now, in parallel, we decided that we want to play, uh, that we want to provide other communities with similar services. So Go, for example, released a modular uh, support uh, a year and a half ago. Before that, there was no official modules in Go, and then they released the Go modules. Uh, and Go modules in the beginning didn't have any repository at all, like any central repository. And it was obviously a pain because you had to check out from version control the sources of all your modules, build them locally on your machine into packages, and only then you can use them. And we said, hey, this is doesn't make sense. We know how to do it better. Here's Go Center a central repository for Go modules. You don't need to do anything, just use it and we'll be fine. A, a, a couple of months after we released it, Google said, you know what? We can do a central repository as well. Here is our Go proxy and it will be baked into Go executable, exactly like Maven Central is baked into, um, uh, into Maven. And then, it happened again with uh, with Chart Center. We said, "Hey, Helm as a package manager for Kubernetes don't have a central repository. It has a bunch of different repositories. It's very annoying. Let us do a service for the community. Here is a central repository. You can point your Helm to one place and get all the all the packages." Next thing we know, a couple of months month after, CNCF releases. Uh, an official uh, aggregated uh, Helm repository. And this is where kind of the penny dropped. Uh, if we are not the owners of the community, if you wish, trying to create this repository time and time again also only creates um, fragmentation. Because people now don't know, should we use JFrog repository? Should we use uh, the Maven Central repository or a Go Center or a Go Proxy, a chart, uh, how, a chart Center or the official CNCF repository? 
it creates a lot of um, uh, a lot of segmentation. And we saw that with, with JSONDER as well. A lot of people, most of the people, the, the, the vast majority of the people use JSONDER not as the real canonical repository, but as just a way to get to Maven Central easier because publishing to Maven Central is a pain, going through JCenter is uh, is a very easy route to do. We take care of all the all the stuff on the on their side. And while Bintray ceased to provide uh, JFrog the right uh, commercial benefits because JFrog platform now includes much more powerful uh, distribution tools than Bintray ever had. Uh, the centers became the, the valuable uh, service that we had to evaluate. And we came to the decision that it's better to kind of step back and say, hey, with Go, you go with Google, with Helm, you go with CNCF, with Java, you go with whoever still owns the market for Java libraries which is uh, Maven and uh, because the tight connection within Maven, Maven Central. Well, wait, are you saying that had Gradle taken over the industry, if the numbers were 70-30 Gradle versus Maven reversed, I mean, the Gradle was the dominant one, you would have stuck with it? I mean, that kind of contradicted it. You said it, that, I mean, it sounds like that you're saying that it wasn't worth the expense when it wasn't the dominant source, and why have two sources instead of one, especially when yours is being treated as a front end on the other? Uh, is it was it a financial issue? Was it a was it that you didn't? Are you basically saying you don't think that Gradle will become the dominant tool? And also, what drove it to be now? What suddenly said? you know what, we're announcing this in January, you're done by May. Because a lot of people panicked because yeah, let's they, talk about they didn't that. have enough time yeah. in all this. So yeah. that's so where I'm all, going. All those, all those are, are, are great questions. Let me try and answer them. I cannot okay. guarantee that my answers will be enough or that you will say, hey, you did the right thing. And we obviously can agree to disagree on that. But sure. I think it's important for to, to kind of try and explain our our way of thinking behind it. Okay. Um, consider JCenter, not Bintray. Bintray is okay. Bintray is a product that did its purpose and now is replaced with a better functionality on other platform. This is fine. Now, consider JCenter as an experiment that ran for eight years. From December 2012 to December 2020. In this experiment, we really wanted it to become the canonical center for Java packages because it is superior technically and in the mode of operandus than Maven Central. And, and uh, I, we still believe that. Now, after eight years, sometimes you need to stop and you say, okay, this experiment is not, is not succeeding. People still prefer Maven Central for resolution because of Maven, because they prefer Maven and because Maven just works with Maven Central. And because of that, people still prefer Maven Central for deployment 
although it's nice that they use JCenter to get to Maven Central, that was not the, the goal of it. We provided this thing as to see it becoming like a legacy support. Yes, we want to be on JCenter first, but it also will be nice to be in Maven Central. And here we have a way to do it, but what it is used now for the majority of people is the other way around, is that people just want to get to Maven Central and JSender is this utility to allow them to go there easier, which is which is great. I mean, I, I'm glad that its its service is useful, but it's not what JSender was supposed ever to ever be. Okay. Now for the timelines and the urgency. Um, so uh, I think we had, and I, I, I'm still not sure what, what happened. The dates on the official blog post were were completely off. Uh, so first, yeah, and and we fixed it. Uh, and I don't know. I would like to take a credit and say, hey, we got the response from the community and fixed it. But frankly, it was it was weird. We didn't know. We didn't need to consult the community to see that they're off. Uh, the the resolution from J Center will continue as it is for at least another year, for all the way to March 20, um, uh, 2022. Uh, we will see what's need to be done when we get closer to that, but people will have all the time in the world to gracefully migrate the resolution, the consumption from J Central to, to Maven Central. And obviously it will require support by tools. And uh, I expect next version of Gradle, for example, to deprecate J Central as, uh, as an instruction in their DSL. But in the end of the day, I, I would say here, is is enough to uh, uh, for 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 most of the projects except maybe of abundant one, but most of the projects to uh, to migrate. So uh, this is for consumption. Now publishing ends earlier, but still uh, it it ends in May. So it gives people more than a quarter to uh, change their build script for for the active projects. And I expect whoever publishes software is is pretty active, so that that should work. Uh, and uh, um, so, so yeah, we corrected the timelines, and now they make more sense, and I feel more comfortable with them. Okay, I I understand what you're saying, and and I don't mean this to be accusatory or, or to be an argument or anything. No, no, like you that. should. I mean, I mean, you well, should give me shit, and and you should keep me honest. Well, it was a big deal in the community, and it definitely feels like something has been lost. That something that was easy. Now, I got to be honest, I don't publish libraries. I just consume them. I use them. So for me, switching my Gradle build to go replacing JCenter with Maven Central is a global search and replace. It's not really going to affect me in a big way, especially if I've got over a year to do it. But for people who published, this is a big deal. And for people like in the Grails community, which, as you say, had hosted their own system for the Grails plugins, all intimately bound to this JCenter idea, this seemed to come out of nowhere and really felt like a problem. And I guess the question is, was this driven by financial considerations? Is this, you know, I, the experiment not being... I mean, you're talking about an experiment that that contradicts the financial issue because if Gradle had become the definitive one, or if J Center had become the definitive one, 
you would have had tons more traffic. And wouldn't Absolutely. the expenses have gone up I, then? That's why I didn't say that traffic was the problem. Okay. And okay. I, I so still it's say it's not. It's not. Okay. I mean, it's... So you just don't want the don't, fragmentation in the industry, but it's, fragmentation... It's both. Okay, so you know how it's it's okay to spend money that something works, and it's not okay to spend money on something that doesn't work. Does it make sense? Sure. Right. So so and this is this is I think where we are. When in some point of time we need to stop spending money on an experiment that didn't work. Well, there's an easy resolution. You just either Gradle needs to buy J Frog. Or the other way around, Absolutely. or both of you can be bought by whoever is running Maven. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So the so, type absolutely. They, they yeah. Like, I mean, honestly, I don't see two options as a problem, but I I get it if you're saying you don't want to be the definitive host for Gradle. You know, well, I guess if Gradle apparently they don't want to be the definitive host either. Yeah, we're gonna have to see. In other words, it, it sounds to me like the situation is is likely to change and we'll have to see how it plays out over the next few months. So I, I don't want to take too much time on this. We've already spent, uh, I mean, we did spend a good amount of time, which we needed to, that's definitely true, but the podcast is already getting relatively long and I'm expecting that we will get um, re replies, you know, that if we actually do, if anybody actually does listen, to this podcast, we may actually get feedback this time. We, we do have feedback. We do have to begin. I would say the first kind of let me highlight it from from Tucker. Uh, uh, that's kind of the, the feedback from from our conversation. And he, he mentions here for whoever uh, don't watch us live and you should because now we play with comments and all this cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, he, he mentioned that he published a few libraries and uh, obviously it's a pain to publish to maven central yes and we acknowledge that and we acknowledge that taking away this nice tool of getting to maven central through j center is a pain yes and we apologize for taking it away it was never j center's intention okay right? i mean so let's in other words what i'm trying to say is let's just let's determine that today's discussion we've said about what we can say about it and let's see what feedback we get and whether there's anything. Do you want to remove the, the comment from the, the page there? Um, and then we will address this on our next podcast. In fact, this is a driver for us to definitely have another podcast relative, in a timely fashion. So we'll see. Okay. And maybe we can get somebody uh, who's affected by this or something to come and, and talk on the podcast as well. Um, so let's leave that. Now, there's other things in the list, but again, we've gotten long here. So what I do want to address, the one thing that we do want to talk about is something that I didn't find a good way to add to the show notes, and hopefully you'll either come up with something or, or we'll see something else. But we have to mention uh, Russell, of course. Yeah. So do you want to do you want me to start with that or do you want to say something? Yeah, yeah, no, you 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 go ahead. I think we we have the pretty much the same relationship to 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 Russell. Yeah. I mean, many people were aware that uh we the Groovy community lost one of its major uh contributors, a person that really mattered. You know, a person who made a lot of contributions to the community. 
And I unfortunately, again, I, I never did see an obituary, so I don't have the exact dates or anything like that. But uh, poor Russell Winder uh, was lost to, I, I believe it was a form of cancer, back in, I think it was December, wasn't it? Yeah, so it was about a month ago. And Russell has made many contributions to the Groovy community, among many other things. He's a He was a very bright guy. Uh, he had an academic background and yet a very practical one as well. He has many talks. There are many YouTube videos of him giving talks throughout the industry. He what a very English, very dry sense of humor that was always a joy to listen to. You'll find YouTube recordings of, of him around. From my point of view, what I always thought of when I thought of Russell was the the Jeepers project, GPARS, the, yes. the Groovy Parallel Systems Libraries, which he basically was the the driving force behind. And I felt that project never got the the love that it deserved. You know, the the respect. I mean, he did a wonderful job with that, doing concurrency before concurrency was cool. You know, where everybody's thinking about it now, and he was very clever about doing all these things. And it's just very sad to lose someone, especially someone so young uh, as Russell. So for those who um, are thinking about Russell, we, we, we want to give you our best. We, of course, are thinking about him as well. And I'm very sorry to see him go. I wish I'd had a chance to know him better. I, I only attended a few conferences where I just ran into him once or twice. I never really got a good chance to sit down with him. And yet everybody who did was just all over Twitter and blogs posting about how wonderful a person he was and how much they enjoyed their interactions with him. And uh, just very sad to see, to see that happen. So uh, we express our condolences to the family and friends and anyone who knew Russell Winder and and uh, hopefully if we could find some good summary somewhere that talks about his career and in a little bit more detail and everything we will add it to our show notes we'll bring it up next time uh, I just I don't know if it's been long enough for there for that to appear online yet did you have anything else you wanted to add on that yeah no I I, I think that's that summarized it very very well and uh, and uh, the majority of us know know Russell by Jupars which speaks for his brilliance uh and uh yeah i uh, i fully i second everything you said and it's it's a huge loss uh i was acquaintance with him in the community but i was in, in under the same impression that he's brilliant nice friendly a truly valuable member of and contributor to the community and I mean, I, I think it speaks well of the Groovy community that they that it attracts people like that. I mean, I often talk about one of the best features of Groovy is that the community is so warm and friendly and yet so humble. I mean, you get really brilliant people who you, you'd never know it until you talk to them. You know, they, they're not good at self-publicity, which in a way holds Groovy back, but they're such a joy to be around and they're so helpful. People like Paul King, like Guillaume LaForge, like, um, uh, well, just a whole host of people as well. Um, Graham Roche, who's now at Oracle. It's another thing we didn't talk about, but you know, Graham as well, you know, you just get, I like to believe that one of the nice features of this language of this ecosystem is that it attracts people who like being supportive and helpful and nice and, 
and warm to, to everyone around them. And Russell just ticked off every every one of those boxes. Just such a such a great person. And Guillaume, I think, was the one who tweeted the original uh, message about losing him. And if maybe we can get a chance to have Guillaume come by and, and say something about him next time. Okay, is there, I mean, I don't wanna leave on a down note, although I'd really like to celebrate what he's done, you know, and especially the, the work that he did. Is there anything you wanna bring up in the show notes that we have, anything in addition to that? I mean, what are, yeah. what are no, you working I, I on? Think, I added? think we, we might not get through entire show notes because we have- Yeah, yeah, like I think we're good, right. Couple of huge topics to talk about. Which we and knew. That would yeah. be, that would be uh, maybe uh, for us, um, something that will help us release the next episode sooner that we so, have left yeah. over from today. No guarantees as usual. You might very well find yourself starting season six by the next time. Hopefully not. <laughs> so, well, just to ask, is there anything you're working on anywhere you're going? Anything you're, I mean, usually we talk about what your conferences are, but of course that's not happening. Are you dealing with Dev Nexus at all tomorrow? Or are you dealing with anything else or, or not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tomorrow is DevNexos where I have a talk there. So I'll be in the chat. The talk is recording, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, DevNexos and a bunch of meetups and virtual conferences that it's not even okay. I, about. Okay. On, on my side, of course, I'm still doing a lot with the O'Reilly Learning Platform. I'm still uh, giving talks occasionally. I'm arranging talks for the Great Indian Developer Summit, the one coming in April as well. Uh, I will not be at DevDex, I'll just be attending. I'll just be watching some of that. I am going to go to that that great conf uh, Friday bar this week. I'm working on a book that's almost finished. Uh, it got renamed. I don't know if I mentioned. It was called no, Managing, My Managing Your Manager book. Apparently, you can't do SEO on that well. You know, yes. I, I don't know. So the new name apparently is going to be uh, Help Your Boss Help You. Uh, okay. You know, it works. I mean, we'll see. And by the time we have another podcast, it's possible that book may be out in beta form, at which point I'll talk about it then. But okay, let's talk about uh, our books next, because uh, I will mention the book that uh, I'm writing is, well, I'm co-writing most of the writing done by others, um, Java for, uh, DevOps tools for Java developers. Uh, wow. And that was a great promotion for our next episode. Very see you then. We are like, insane hour and 17 minutes we should stop yeah i think we've we've covered enough and there are other things in the show notes if you're interested feel free to take a look and of course we're both available on twitter or by email any other way you want to get in touch with us uh thank you all everybody who listened through this and and we hope to see you again sometime soon i hope thank you very much anything else uh baruch or are we good that that would be all for us for today and hopefully next episode less than three months away Thank you and bye-bye. Take care.